Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome, everybody, to our October show. I am all by my lonesome in studio, so I'm the interesting person you're going to hear from today. And I thought, well, gee, it's going to be my monologue or soliloquy or however you want to phrase that. But you're going to be listening to me for about 46 minutes of airtime to share this interesting show we have today. So as we begin, I want to welcome you into the fall season. And we're into October. And are you like me? Are you ready to finish this year off? I mean, this has been a really, really tough year, right? I bet you can't wait for this year to end. But before we end the year, I want to start off with my usual honorable mentions. Let's look at birthdays. Today, Carlin Bushman's having a birthday. My brother, Angel Mariano Jr. in San Diego had a birthday October 9th. Happy birthday to Master Chief Fred Sanchez, presidential valet who lives in Maryland. My former sister-in-law, Liz Stone in Vancouver, has a birthday in October. Michael Chalmers, who is a family member through my son, Jason. My cousin, Mary Strauss in San Diego. Happy birthday, Mary. Alan Sears has a birthday on Halloween. This weekend, my dear friend, Rear Admiral, retired psychiatrist Richard Bridenauer is having a birthday. Happy birthday to you, my friend. James Patrick, who's been on our show, as well as Dr. Dick Reidner have been on our show, but James Patrick is having a birthday. This month, we also celebrate the birthday for Harvey Greenbaum, and his son, Blake, has a birthday. Rhonda Snyder has a birthday. Robin Burning and Susan Pomfret have birthdays, and it's interesting because Robin was my massage therapist in Washington, D.C., and she runs a wellness clinic in North Carolina. Susan Pomfret uh, was my personal massage therapist here, does house calls, and she is wonderful. <laughs> uncle Orville Kern, who is my late husband John's uncle-in-law, is uh, turning 90 years old on October 24th, and I'm going to give him a call on that day. For anniversaries this month, we have uh, Dick and Leslie Ridenauer, who will celebrate 48 years of marriage. And Dick was the one who's having a birthday this weekend. Happy birthday, friends. And they've been on our show last time when we talked about the show must go on, about what people watch during the pandemic. My sister Lori and her wife Valerie celebrate 30 years together, 12 years legally when they authorized same-sex marriage in California. So happy birthday, my, do, my two friends, my two sisters. Weddings, my cousin Cherry married JR in Las Vegas. Happy wedding, my dear cousin. And tomorrow, that's it. So happy, all those happy things. So tomorrow, what day is tomorrow? Friday, October 16th. Well, guess what? It's National Boss Day. And I don't know if I'm going to get anything for National Boss Day, but I looked that up because I hadn't heard about it. I had seen some of the cards about that. But October 16th in the U.S. is was named National Boss Day or Bosses Day for the workers to appreciate their bosses or their employers. Now, I don't know how that works when people work from home. Patricia Bayes Horowski registered National Boss Day with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in 1958. She was working as a secretary for the insurance company State Farm in Deerfield, Illinois, for her dad, and he was her boss at the time. So she did that on his birthday in honor of him as her boss. So isn't that interesting? So I think of October as autumn, and I was up north towards Sedona 
near Flagstaff a few weeks ago, and the leaves are changing. And I know the rest of the country, the Midwest and the East, you get the beautiful fall colors. So autumn officially begins the last month. The last month of it actually began last month in September. Well, we feel it here in, in Arizona. The change of seasons up north, as I talked about, were, are already here. The end of October, Halloween, you know, I think of that. My goodness, we've already been wearing masks since March or April, and now we've got Halloween. So what are kids doing now? And I, I asked my son, Andrew, who has three little kids. Addie's five, Alex is three and a half, Aubrey's 20 months. What do you guys do for Halloween? And they're going to do their curbside trick-or-treat. Uh, they'll do trick-or-treat from the back of the, uh, the minivan or the truck. People pull up. Kids will come out with their, their masks on, trick-or-treat. People are handing out candies with their gloves on just to keep safe. So they don't want that to go away. Kids love Halloween. They love free candy. The month of October, I have to make, I'm obligated to make this public service announcement. If you haven't gotten it already, please get your flu shots, folks, especially now in the time of COVID. If you get a fever during this season, we're trying to decide whether you have COVID or you have flu. And flu kills millions of people every year throughout the world. And we don't want you to die of the flu that you could prevent. Now, the flu vaccine, they have two doses. They have the high-dose flu vaccine for people 65 and older and those who tend to have immunosuppressive disease, and they have the regular dose. And what, it just matters what kind of antigens are in there to rev up the immune system. You, and the, it's the higher-dose one, which will rev it up more in our elderly population, which I should watch saying that because I'm 65 and we, we get the high-dose flu shot. So if you haven't gotten it already, get your flu shot. I think back, and one nice thing about this show, it allows me to reflect on time because unlike the 24-7 news network, I can look at the whole month that's transpired and say, what is it of significance that I want to share or reflect upon during this show, this monthly radio show, this podcast, rather than try to fill every single second what is it of significance to me that I can share with you that you can do something with? So it, it, as I look back, I wondered, and you probably think, my gosh, doesn't it seem like March was such a long time ago when we started hearing the term social distancing, when, since we started wearing masks, since we started WFH? If you don't know what WFH is, is working from home, right? Hasn't seemed like a long time ago, six or seven months ago. So as we're slowly trying to recover from the pandemic, we see that the cases are now rising again in several states and actually in Europe and the world's hit being hit. And that's, you know, the fear of reinfection is around us, right? We're going to be living with this for a while. It's not going away overnight. Even when we get the vaccine, you still have to eradicate a large number of the vaccine or the people who get it until it finally goes away and we don't talk about it anymore. But this truly has been an unprecedented time in our history. It's been a time of fear, anxiety, social isolation, sadness, and change. A lot of people have been impacted by a death of a family member. And a lot of times when that happens, they haven't been in the hospital. They can't be allowed in the hospital, be close to them. On top of the pandemic, we are in the midst of a political campaign with the election only two and a half weeks from now. Tonight would have been the second presidential debate, but that got canceled. Instead, the two candidates are having their own town hall meetings, two separate rallies that are going on. 
So as I look back on this and reflect, I'm going to pause and I'm going to look back at when I started my radio show broadcast back in November of 2012. And the purpose of this show was to bring to radio a refuge or retreat from the constant barrage of 24-7 news network, which is really bad news 24-7, right? Nonstop bad news. What sells? Conflict. People fighting, argument, getting people's emotions riled up. And people will say, well, Connie, you know, you should be a news junkie. You should be a political junkie. You spent nine years at the White House serving three different presidents. And honestly, I've had a lot of politics that I've witnessed. I've been a part of that. And I look back in a different way now as somebody who rises to 41,000 feet and looks down upon it and tries to reflect, what did I learn? What did I learn about people? What did I learn about our political system in this country? So interestingly, I, I tend to avoid politics and conflict. I'm all about peace. I'm all about not arguing with people. And this is a tough time because even when you want to express your opinions, invariably somebody will find that offensive. And I find that very difficult. When people start raising their voices over somebody's opinion, the instant response, at least for me, is when somebody starts yelling at me, I'm going to just shut down. I'm just not going to listen. So I always say the best way to fight fire is not with fire, is with water. And just when they're starting, people are starting to yell at you, argue, just calm your voice. Because if you're screaming at them, they're, not, they're going to react and you're going to escalate and it gets, it gets violent. So I tended to avoid politics and conflict. But I wanted instead with this show to educate, entertain, inspire my listeners. But I wanted it to be relevant, right? To have a show October at this month, two and a half weeks before the election, and not say something about the election would, would not be responsible on my part, having been a White House doctor. And I always said, you know, if I don't tell my patients something that can help them, I mean, that's really my goal. My goal, I always start off every show with a prayer that at least one listener out there gets something, some message in some way from this show. So I sought this show, this radio show, as a medium for my message because the beauty of radio, you're not distracted by appearance. Radio is colorless. It's genderless unless you think, you know, the person has got a feminine voice or a masculine voice. You don't know if I'm black or white, yellow or orange, purple or green. You don't know and actually you shouldn't care because all you should care about is what I'm saying to you. It should be my message, my voice. Perhaps you can probably imagine what I look like, but does that really matter? What am I saying? What, what is my message? Radio is about the message, and I like the fact that I'm not getting interrupted by someone yelling at me and, and challenging me. And So the hope is with the next 40-some minutes is that you will listen and focus on what I say. I want to start off by saying that my show does not support any political entity. The views are my own. I fund this show. It's not funded by any Democratic or Republican party. I don't use outside sponsors. If you were my patient in my exam room for a visit, I would talk to you as I do that on my show. In a lot of ways, I think of this show as my therapy for my patients. And also for me, it's my therapy to share, validate, and learn from talking out loud about, about what I believe in and having guests who help that. So I'm looking at the time. I've got about two minutes before our break. I'm going to pause right now to take this break. That was a little teaser as to what to expect in the next two segments of this show. So come back in a few minutes after our break, and I'm going to talk to you about this pivotal time in American history. How do you decide who the next president of the United States will be? 
What do we do? How do you make a decision? So stay tuned on House Calls to hear from the White House doctor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. We are weeks away from a very pivotal time in American history as everybody goes and decides who our next president will be. Have you voted yet? That's the question. And if you haven't, do you know who you're going to vote for? Are you decided or undecided? So this show is for the people who haven't made up their decisions yet, right? So just just to share some thoughts. First of all, I am no stranger to the process of elections nor campaigns. I started my nine years at the White House at the end of the presidency of George Herbert Walker Bush. I was there as part of his campaign, supporting him as a White House doctor on call. We are not political. We were in the military, and that was our job as an assignment to be there for the president to make sure he stayed healthy during the campaign. I was there uh, witnessing his loss to Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton. I wrote a book about that transition from George Herbert Walker Bush to President Bill Clinton in my memoir, the White House doctor, my patients were presidents. I became President Clinton's physician and remained at the White House his entire eight years. I was there during the time of his reelection. I went to almost every campaign event he did. And then at the end of the tour, eight-year tour for President Clinton, uh, I participated in some of the events that he did to support his vice president, Al Gore, 
who I actually took care of when, at the time when I was White House physician. When Al Gore lost to George Walker Bush, who I also knew under his father, I remained at the White House until June of 2001 when I retired from the Navy as a rear admiral, moved to Arizona to join the Mayo Clinic. So what did I learn and observe about presidential campaigns? Number one, the schedule is grueling. These people who do this have to have a lot of energy. If you want to know if a president's physically fit, you watch them on the campaign trail. You watch them travel nonstop. And again, this is pre-COVID. You travel nonstop to every campaign site. And how they are, they get up early in the morning, they go nonstop, being with the crowds, nonstop travel. Again, pre-COVID, realize it's a different way at that time. They get out, they meet with the people, the voters. You watch how they think and speak. How are they when they are not with the teleprompter? How are they impromptu? How do they interact with the crowds? How do they think on their feet? Then you watch their staff as they do the strategy because everything's strategized. They have pollsters. They have their advanced people. It's a whole nation of people. It's a whole village of people working to get the president elected or reelected. You focus on the message of the campaign. There are different campaign slogans that you, it's sort of the mantra. When Bill Clinton ran for re-election, he was talking about the bridge to the 21st century. And we knew that we, he was going to cut to the rope line on his speech because as soon as he start, started talking about that bridge, we would assume our positions near the rope line and be prepared for him to go to the rope line. So that was the ongoing uh, process. By election day, the candidates are usually hoarse from all their speeches or yelling, but they usually don't have a voice. So the observation about the process and the productivity of presidents and their mood is, is amazing that I have witnessed. As I look back at this process of election and re-election of a four-year term and then four, additional four years to make a total eight-year term for presidents, I only wish that the founding fathers had limited the presidency to this, to a one-year six, I'm sorry, to a one six-year term of office without the chance for re-election. Now, why is that? Here's my observation of having seen three presidents in office that I've served. A new president comes in as well as the new administration. The first two years in office, the president and his staff and his administration are learning about how things work. How do you get things done? That's the first two years. They travel, they get out there, they try to push their agenda, but they're really learning how do we accomplish what we said we would accomplish in our campaign. The final two years of the first term of presidency, you know what that's about? That's about reelection, boys and girls. They want to get reelected. Every single Democrat, Republican, they want to be reelected, right? If they get reelected, the first two years of the second term is the most productive, I really believe. They get the most done because they've been there already four years. They know how things get done. They're warming up. They're not under the threat of reelection or whether that happens, of losing or not. So they focus on being productive. They and their staff are a fine-tuned machinery. They get it done. And then what happens the final two years of their presidency before they finish off? You know what they focus on? Their legacy, their library. Where do they go next? So really, that's my vote for a six-year term of office. That's it. That would be great, right, if I were God. So in addition to limiting the presidency to a one six-year term, if I were God, I would institute term limits for all members of Congress and the Senate, right? My personal opinion 
is that no public servant should be a full-time politician. They should serve six years, no chance of re-election, and then go home. I really believe that. That's my opinion. How do we make it happen? That's in the political sector. That's up to the American people if they ever want to consider that. I'm just putting it out there. That's my opinion. I do that cautiously because right now, whenever people say anything about their opinion, people get attacked. And I mentioned today at lunch to the assistant manager at one of my restaurants I was having, I was dining, that I was going to do this talk on politics without mentioning the two candidates. And she looks at me and says, are you crazy? Don't even talk about politics. You're going to get beaten up. I said, no, I'm just going to talk about concepts, experience. I'm going to talk in a way maybe perhaps therapists would talk or I would talk with my patients without being a proponent for either candidate or either party. I'm not even going to mention their names. I'm just going to talk about what I've seen at the White House, what I've observed over time, and what I would recommend for somebody who loves this country more than any political affiliation or political candidate or political title. That's what I believe in, that I have to love this country more than all the things that divide us. That's what I believe in. But it is a sad time because people disagree on issues, but they attack each other personally. So what happens is when you're attacked, you go into the closet. They say silent, they don't talk, they don't engage, but they should vote. And I tell everybody out there who's felt attacked in any way, discriminated against, you should vote. You should get your friends to vote, you should vote. And if you complain about your country, you should vote. You should vote to change it. And if you don't like the candidates we have, guess what? In the next election, you should find better candidates to run or you should run for, your, for, for office yourself. You don't solve problems by complaining. You solve problems by finding a solution. That's really what I believe in. So again, as I said, if you've already decided, that's great. If you voted, good for you. If you haven't decided, all right. Listen up. This is what I want to share with you. How do you pick a candidate? And this is Dr. Connie's recommendations. How do you pick a candidate? These are questions that only you can answer. I don't want people shoving it down your throat because I want you to realize having taken care of the media, taking care of the press pool for years and working with them. You know, and there was one time in my history that I actually wanted to go into journalism. I was editor-in-chief of my school paper. Everything I learned about journalism, I learned about in high school newspaper writing. And I knew, knew it in my old days when I knew what a news item was, I knew what an editorial was, I knew what a feature column, I knew what a sports page was. And a news item had strictly the facts, didn't slant it. And an editorial article had somebody's byline because that was your opinion. Now what we're seeing is news articles with people's bylines. So a word of warning to you all is be cautious of where you're getting your information. Do you trust your source of information? Know that it's going to be filtered by the reporter reporting it, what news network, how you get it. So be wary of the source. Do you watch it unedited? If you're watching a speech, do you really need somebody to tell you what you're listening to? Can you make your decision based on what you're actually listening to or reading? So look at that. How do you pick? Are you voting for a candidate because you like them as a person? Is this somebody you would like to have babysit your grandkids? Is this somebody you would like to play golf with? Is this somebody who you'd like a friend? Are you, is, is that the reason? I mean, that's your decision, so be it. Are you voting for them because you like their policies and proposals, right? Is it about what they're going to do for this country, the economy, defense? Is that why you're voting for them? What if you like them as a person, but you don't like their policies? How do you reconcile that? And 
The, uh, the other way is, what if you don't like them, but you like their policies? So we've got some tough decisions to make. You have. I've already voted. I'm in, I'm in but make that decision. You've got to separate. Is it the persona or is it the policies? Is it what they're going to put forth for this country? What is important to you, the person or the policy? What is their ability to make decisions? How do they make decisions? Who are the people they hire? What does their judgment show? We have one candidate with a track record of at least four years, right? We have another candidate with a track record of 47 years. What does their track record show about their performance? What is their style of leadership? Which one would be best representative of you? Which one would be the best representative for our country in your view? <clears throat> Remember, and this is how I look at it, <clears throat> we elect presidents to do a job. That is to serve our country, to represent we the people. Is this a person you would hire for the job? And when you fill out your ballot or you're in that voting booth, what is the final decision you make? What is the final way that can you change last moment? Nobody's looking. No one's going to tell you how to vote. You know that. Is it the campaign ads that will sway you? Is it what your spouse told you to say? Is it what your friends say you should do? Are you going to hold your nose and vote? Right? So that's something you have to think about. What is it because the pundits told you to do it? Or do you decide to stay home? Well, I, 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 plead, I plead you, don't stay home. Vote. Mail-in ballot. Just vote. Because you have a right to do that. that. That actually is your responsibility to our country to have a say. Because if you don't say anything, you shouldn't complain. So then I wonder, and having seen this in action, how important really is the president in this election, Right? I would recommend that you look closely at your vice presidential candidates. Now, why? The reason I say that is whomever we elect to become president, who's ever going to stand there at the Capitol on January 20th, 2021, will be a man who is over the age of, six, of 70, over the age of 70, a septuagenarian. Data shows that the average life expectancy of the U.S. male is 76 years of age. That's the average. Now, if the incumbent president is reelected, he'll be 74 years old. And if the contender is elected, he'll be 78. Now, I'll be among the first to argue with you that the American presidents, unless they're assassinated in office, live longer than most Americans, because I'm going to write a book about that. But realize that because of the next president being in their mid to late 70s, this still places a lot of risk for them of not making their first four years in office, right? That they may die in office. So... Look at the vice president because your president you elect, in, you elect in January may not be able to serve that term. So you better be certain that the person you elect as vice president can become president of the United States if the president steps down. Now, I want to share with you that about two weeks ago, I was inundated by phone calls and emails from the mainstream media inviting me to join them on television to discuss COVID and the presidency, to comment on the incumbent White House physician's treatment of the president's COVID-19. And I want you to know up front that I don't know if they listened to my radio show. If they were good reporters, they would have researched it, but they could listen right now. So I'm going to leave you hanging there. I'm going to come back to this in a few seconds. We are pausing for a break, and I'm going to fill you in on some details about me and the media. So stay tuned on Dr. House Call, Dr. Connie's House Calls for more on the media, the presidency, and what's next?
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnyradio at gmail.com. That's drconnyradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. I had to confess on my show, I'd been dodging the media uh, about two weeks ago when they were calling my cell phone, my office line, and, my, and emailing me to be interviewed regarding the president's COVID-19 and to make comments about how he was treated at Walter Reed and make comments about the incumbent White House physician's treatment. And I did not answer those invitations to comment. It was not my job to do so. That patient is not my patient. It's inappropriate for me to do that. And I did not want to be in a situation where a reporter would start asking me questions and say, well, what if you were this? But I'm not, guys. Well, what if you would do that, right? What if? And the what ifs are the catch you, the catch them items. Because what would happen is this. I would see as a result of that interview, they would take a snippet of what I say, and the spin cycle would rev it up and it would say, former White House doctor says, da-da. And it's like, what? And I would say, I, that's how it was out of context or whatever. So sorry, guys, I'm not participating in that. I don't want to do that. Not in that. One of the things I used to preach to the doctors of the White House Medical Unit when I was the director and the head of the unit is this. Your job is to be the doctor, 
not the spin doctor, right? You're not the communications director. You're not the media guy or girl. You're the spin doctor. You've got lots of media at the White House to do that or in the campaign. Don't spin. Focus, doctor, on the facts. Be the doctor. You're an MD, whatever your title, DO, whatever that is. You're charged to focus on the facts as the physician. You're the only physician in the room. You let everybody else spin it. That's just the facts. Focus on medicine and science. Deliver the medical news, not the editorial. So one of the issues I've studied during my White House tour was the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. This was ratified in 1967 as a result of the aftermath of President John F. Kennedy's assassination. Now, what is the 25th Amendment? For those who are not aware, it's the section of the U.S. Constitution that got codified dealing with the presidential line of succession. It answers the question, if the president is unable to carry the duties of his office, either through assassination or resignation or disability, the duties of the office of presidency and the presidency itself go to the vice president. There are four sections of the 25th Amendment. There was a time at the White House I memorized all four sections because I studied a lot of that. I've attended conferences at the Carter Center in Atlanta. My most recent foray into the 25th Amendment was at Forham Law, Law School, which we did a syllabus on the 25th Amendment in the media. So that was several years ago, and I really enjoyed working with the brilliant professors there. But there are four segments of it, uh, of the uh, 25th Amendment. Section 1 just says that if the president has to be removed from office uh, based on death or resignation, the vice president should become president. Section 2 says whenever there is a vacancy in the office of the vice president, the president shall nominate a vice president who shall take that office upon confirmation by a majority vote of both houses of Congress. Section 3 is about when the president transmits to the president pro tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives, president's written dis uh, declaration that he is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, and until he transmits to them in a written declaration to the contrary, such powers and duties shall be discharged by the vice president as the acting president, right? So that's just an orderly fashion of how things gets done. Section 4, whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of such a other body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the president pro tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. So there it goes, is unable to discharge the duties of office. Thereafter, when the president transmits to the president pro tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House, his written declaration that no inability exists, he can get the office back. So if the president says, listen, I don't want to be president right now. I want to temporarily, you know, take a sabbatical. I'm going to sign these papers, which are carried in the nuclear football. They're going to transmit it to the Congress. The vice president assumes the, uh, the duties of that and then goes back. Right? So for me, I've looked at those. It's most important among all of these is Section 3, where it deals with the words unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. What makes the president unable to do so? Most people will think disability, medical disability. This is where the White House doctor has a pivotal role in identifying presidential disability. As a White House doctor, we're on call 24-7. We travel with the president. We can go upstairs to the private residence. We're there. We are with the president more than with our own families. I've asked the doctors, have you witnessed the president to have a condition which concerns, 
concerns his or, his or her ability to carry on the duties of office. Focus on that. What do these duties entail? Well, what do presidents do? They give speeches. They make decisions. Are they able to communicate effectively? If you're concerned, what do you do as a White House doctor regarding disability? Number one, you're obligated as a doctor, talk to your patient, the president. You sit down, you tell the president your concerns. He may not like it, but you're obligated under the 25th Amendment to bring that up and also your Hippocratic Oath to work with your patient. You do a proper evaluation, obviously you call in experts, but you can't just leave it alone at that. Because of this, the president being the leader of the free world, and, and if they potentially have a condition that endangers the country, you are obligated to say something about it regarding the 25th Amendment. So then you deal, and there's a process that is written into the White House protocol who you notify, be it the legal counsel, the president, the vice president, the staff, the White House military office. There's a whole instrument of uh, plans that are already set up with each administration who to notify should that be instituted. And I want you to know, prior to each administration, as they're in the transition process to the next president, next administration, the president's doctor, the legal counsel of president, military aides, White House counsel, they all meet, and their papers of succession are prepared, and they're kept in the nuclear football with the duty military aid along with the authentication codes to launch missiles, just so you're aware. So the president signs it if he wants to do that, takes back the duties of office by signing. So White House doctor not only does the position of taking care of the president, but if there's any concern of the ability to discharge his duties, you have to speak up. You can't just treat him. You've got to also speak up regarding getting the right medical, uh, right counsel regarding the 25th Amendment. I used to teach the White House Medical Unit, whenever there's an issue regarding the president, in the back of your mind, does, is, does this impact the president's ability to do his job? And does this, should we, this, should the 25th Amendment be involved in this, right? And the president can, again, as we say, voluntarily turn over those duties for a short amount of time. Now, has this ever happened in recent history? Yes, it has. During President George Walker Bush's two-term presidency, he invoked the 25th Amendment twice. On June 29, 2002, W. Bush invoked Section 3 of the 25th Amendment prior to undergoing anesthesia for a colonoscopy. And briefly, Vice President Dick Cheney was the acting president. W. Bush also did that again for another colonoscopy in 2007. The country didn't fail. The country was fine. Missiles weren't launched. And he went on. He had his colonoscopy. So it has been instituted. The process works. So I'm thinking of the things I've given you to think about, to ponder. So I'm thinking about the morning of November 4th. Will you plan to stay awake? Will you be awake that morning? And, and look at the news, or will you be up all night watching the election returns? You sort of wonder, right? Will we be waiting, or how long will it take to get the final outcome? There are rumors out there that we won't know for days who won the election, or will one of the candidates concede, right? Or will this election be decided upon in the Supreme Court? So I ask as a physician, as a White House doctor, knowing patients in the political process, what if your candidate doesn't win? And I have patients scheduled the morning of November 4th. I have patients who are Democrats and Republicans coming in that day. It could be a good day for some, a bad day for some. We have to see. But what if your candidate doesn't win? What's your plan? You're going to move to Canada, right? 
that's not an option, right? Well, first of all, Canada's borders are closed. You're not going to move. Do you riot and protest? You know, you, you start burning down cities. And I mean, is that a good reason for that? You're going to hurt innocent people because you're you're having a, a tantrum. You're you're having a meltdown. Come on, guys, grow up. Don't do things illegal. Don't do things disruptive. If you want to protest, do it peacefully. Rioting is not going to help anybody. It hurts people, and it it draws the wrong type of attention. You're going to get media attention, but you might get a backlash because people don't like to see that. Honest, good people don't like to see that. If you want to protest, do so peacefully. There are ways to do that. Don't self-destruct. Don't destroy things around you. Don't beat up people. That's not the solution, guys. Grow up. So what do you do if your candidate doesn't win? Number one, take a deep breath, right? Take care of yourself. Take a deep breath. I love to quote Dave Rico's book, Dr. Dave Rico from Esalen Clinic, who wrote the book Five True Things. And I love quoting it over and over again. And it's so true. Number one, he quotes among five true things, life is about changes and endings, right? Things are going to change. Number two, life is unfair. A lot of people believe that. Life's unfair no matter what, right? Number three, not everything goes according to plan, and that may happen on November 4th for a lot of people. Number four, there is pain in life, and there's going to pay. There's a lot of pain right now, guys. We know that, but there's pain in life. And on November 4th, there's going to be a lot of pain for some half the country. Who knows? They're not going to be happy. The fifth one is not every you know, everyone you know is loving and loyal all the time. Well, you see that, and people who disagree with you. They're not going to be loyal and loving. Obviously not. So if, you're not, if you don't get the candidate you want, accept it. Accept it. Be constructive with that energy. Channel your anger into something productive. Move on. Dave Rico said, he said, say yes to what happened instead of yes, why me? Say yes, now what? Begin the process of finding a candidate who will win in four years, in the next four years. Find the candidates. Work on the Senate and Congress to, to find the right candidates and work in those elections. Get involved in the process. There are rules. We are a country of rules and regulations. I believe in those. There's a reason for that, to protect the rights of the people who don't want to go protest and, 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 and do it with riots, who are protesting peacefully but disagree. So follow the rules. There's a way to get things done. So go find a candidate. Go find a candidate, or you know what? If you're complaining enough and you really believe so much, then you run for office. I encourage you to run for office. Do it. So take a deep breath. It's politics and pandemic. And I see this every day in clinic as I see patients. Everybody I see is anxious. They're upset. They're nervous. They're dreading. They don't sleep. You can only control what goes in between your ears. You can only control how you behave. So if you can control that, you can't control who's going to become the president other than the fact that you're going to vote. And I really encourage you to vote. You can talk to your friends, but do in a convincing manner if you want your candidate to win. Do that. But I look at also peace. How do you find peace? When is this disruption going to end, right? But then is there really disruption or is this manufactured by media? Is, is COVID made up? I mean, if you're believing everything we see is through the media, how much is fact and how much is fiction? I mean, if you're looking now, depending on what news networks, we hear things about Twitter and various things that people, that people agreed or people, people uh, have admitted that they have lied about things about being hacked on Twitter. 
and saying things they shouldn't hack. So Congress is going to investigate that on, onward and onward. And so it's an ongoing array of people being investigated. But you have to realize, what will you allow to get to you? And I have a dear patient of mine who's been my patient for about 20 years. And she's an avid reader of the New York Times. And she lives with her husband, who's in his mid-90s. And she was telling me the other day that she got anxious every day that she read the New York Times. And I looked at her. I said, you know what? Stop reading the New York Times. You, I mean, if you want to, you can compile them. You read them at the end of the day. But if it's upsetting you, don't read that. If, if you don't read it, nothing's going to change, right? You go vote. Take care of your life. One of the things I tell my friends who are in the maelstrom of anxiety and stress is we all have to create our circle of sanity, right? What is your sphere or your circle of sanity? I always call them my, my friends, my close friends, who are my hide-the-body friends, who if I wanted to go off somebody, in other words, eliminate them, they would help me, even though that's violent. I wouldn't do that. I'm just saying that out there in fictional terms. But if I wanted to eliminate somebody, these handful of people would be there to, to back me up. But if I wanted to say, say, you know, share some good news, these are the first people I would call. If I wanted to share some sad news and I wanted to be comforted, these are the first people I would call. So surround yourself with your circle of sanity. The other is among your friends, your circle of sanity, make sure they don't upset you, right? Because there are some people that the more you talk about things, you just get wound up and you get angrier and angrier. Anger is not productive. Anger is a lot of excess energy and heat, and it's got to go somewhere. And if you're going to burn it off, do it in a way that's constructive, not destructive. But it raises your blood pressure, your heart rate. It keeps you from sleeping. It gives you ulcers. It is not healthy. It's the flight or fright reflex. It's not going to help you. Channel it. Meditate. I talk about all the mindfulness things. I am a proponent of those things. When you listen to bad news, how do you react to bad news? Because life is about all these changes and tough things. You're not always going to get your way, and it's going to be tough. But you know what? You accept it. Find the silver lining. You know, pandemic, nobody asked for this pandemic. Nobody predicted it. We're not happy about it, unless you're the manufacturer of masks or th thermometers or whatever, you know. But most people aren't glad this happened. But find if there's a silver lining from it, try to find that. Be one of those people who goes towards the light and finds the good in that. And I think if you look at other people, try to really find the good in other people, even the ones you disagree with. Because if you can find the good, it takes that anger away, right? And I see in a lot of people, because they're very staunch in their opinions, that their hatred and anger for a particular candidate is so visceral that they're screaming. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty shocked at that. It, it, it's an election, guys, but it, it shouldn't be the end of your life. It really shouldn't. And if it's that powerful, my goodness, really. I mean, take a deep breath, be calm, realize what is inputting that data. Look at the data that's coming in, garbage in, garbage out. Look at how the data is coming into you and, and really analyze that. If you were being given information all the time that was happy news, would you be reacting in this way? Or is it the constant barrage of news networks? You really need to break, take a break from media. And I tell people, turn off the TV, stop looking at Twitter feed, don't look at that, don't look at social media. Take a holiday from that. There's no harm. You're not going to miss it. 
you know, your close friends will know how to reach you if there's an emergency. But don't go trawling for tears. Don't go searching for ways to get upset. And there are people who are constantly searching for bad news so they can get worked up again. You don't need to do that. Go find things that'll make you happy. Don't don't, don't go looking for bad things. to You know, if you've got a sore on your arm, stop poking the sore on your arm. And so, I, and I'm speaking to you as a doctor would talk to somebody in my exam room who is hypertensive, upset, overeating, drinking too much, stressed out, and wants to get violent about this election. This is going to pass. A lot of people weren't happy when COVID came through. We're still here, God willing. I mean, a lot of people have complied with the mask and what they need to do. We're putting up with that. We're dealing with it. We're waiting for waiting for the storm to pass. I, I, I quote my astrologer friends that Mercury is in retrograde right now. What does that mean? For those of you who don't uh, look at astrology, Mercury in retrograde means that whatever decisions are made are really uh, messed up at the time, that whatever communications are always messed up, that the planet Mercury apparently looks like it's going backwards. It doesn't. It's a phrase that if you mis- miscommunicate with people, things don't go according to your plans, that it gets messed up with Mercury. And apparently it passes after Election Day. And so Mercury will, will go clear. But, but they say beware when Mercury's retrograde. But we can tell. You don't even have to look at the stars. You can tell the persona of people, how they act. You can watch TV. But if you did not watch TV... I encourage you, take a holiday from TV. Can you turn off the TV for at least a day? Don't watch it. Find something that's uplifting, something that's funny, podcasts that are uplifting. Listen to radio where you don't see people's faces. You know, there's a lot of great uh, podcasts that you go on to that will educate you, that will find ways to cheer you up. Focus on your health, how to better your health, how to better your mind, how to be more prayerful, for more mindful how to be more kind. One of the things I've focused on during this t- tough time is really deliberately trying to be kind to everyone out there. And that's tough because you used to have that saying, random acts of kindness. Well, I don't do random. I do deliberate. I try, I really try to be deliberately kind to each and every human being I encounter because everybody's having a rough time, every single person, regardless of political entity they are. What do I try to do as a physician? I have patients who are all different types of belief systems, and, and I don't judge them. That's not my job. I'm there to take care of them. I try to find something in each and every one of my patients that I love as a human being. If you try that, it's, it really changes your outlook. And I find that sometimes the things that I dislike about people remind me of the worst parts of me. And I say, gee, that's why I don't like so-and-so, because that reminds me of something that I do that I don't like. So really try, really try to use this tough time to better yourself, to heal yourself, to find a a way to be a better person and to come away from this being a better human being. So with that, I'm going to pause and say goodbye to you. I'm going to encourage you to vote. That is your responsibility. If you're eligible to vote, vote. Vote with your conscience, with your mind. Don't let anybody tell you how to vote. Don't be bullied or pressured into it. You get in that booth, you say a prayer, you make a decision, you vote, and you accept the consequences of that, accept what the election will have, and you pray for our country. And with that, God bless you all. We'll talk to you next month on Dr. Connie's House Calls. Good night.
Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment